the Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Listen to the exciting story of the American Community Schools of Athens. Check out what drives all the members of our international community of learners as we create the education of the future. Here's John Papadakis. The demanding journey of a student through primary and secondary education in the 21st century bears very few similarities with that of previous generations, where the major objectives involved little more than literacy and quantitative skills. Critical thinking, art and media literacy, integration of computing and artificial intelligence, along with cultural and social engagement, were topics far from the norm to most schools. International education by nature has evolved into a much more holistic provider of life skills that global citizens must attain to have a better than good chance to make it in the 21st century. When the discussion also involves the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals, then we know for sure that students go beyond the traditional school framework and have started thinking of the big picture. In order for a school to provide such a non-traditional, outside-the-beaten-path education experience, it needs to introduce new mentalities, especially at the elementary school level. Teachers must be open to new mindsets and skill sets that are required to engage and inspire the children that mature faster and faster. With us today is Pinelopi Dimitrula, a fifth-grade teacher who engages in the discussion of what this experience is currently like in the ACS Southern Elementary. With an MBA degree from Pace University and a master's degree in early childhood education and students with disabilities from Turo University, New York, Ms. Dimitrula has a wide perspective on what education should be about. With Ms. Dimitrula today, we discuss... The increasing level of students' maturity in the elementary school. Supporting the mental and socio-emotional state of children during learning in difficult times. The transition to middle school and the new reality. Meeting students where they're at. The true meaning of differentiation. Helping students get rid of the stigma of accommodations. Exposing children to the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals. Involving faculty in artificial intelligence and conscious citizenship initiatives, and the future of education and the consideration of human interaction. There has been a lot of discussion lately about the rate of development of children. It seems to me personally that children mature earlier and earlier. You're a fifth grade teacher this year, and you're seeing students at the end of the American elementary. Next year, they're progressing to middle school, where their daily routine changes, academics start playing a more serious role in their student career, and of course, they enter adolescence. What has been your experience so far? What are the main challenges the students face, and how the fifth grade activities prepare them to meet those challenges? That is a great question. Um, I believe that it is different than I originally thought. Um, fifth graders, um, you expect them, yes, to have um, a certain level of maturity. And yes, they do mature earlier and earlier. Um, How do you see that in the classroom, that level of maturity? I feel this year um, across across the grade, it's been a little bit different than the years before. 
our students are in many fronts ready, but in quite many not ready yet. Well, let me rephrase that. The social emotional part for many of them needs to come first before any academics, before any routines, before anything else. Because these students were in third grade when um, the pandemic started. We closed down in March and we reopened June 1st. I still remember the day. And they were in fourth grade and we were in lockdown for almost the entire year. We were lucky enough to open, I think it was five weeks um, after the Christmas break, and then we were in extended lockdown. So social, emotional comes first for so many of them and us. And that's where we needed to rethink many things. Talking to other teachers in fifth grade that have been um, there before me, you would expect more independent skills, attention to detail. And it came from all of us this year that we should rethink. We should start with check-ins. We should start, not that we didn't before, but it was more crucial this year to make sure that our students feel well, that um, they feel that mistakes are okay, that we can repeat directions again and again, as long as they're in the mental state to be with us, not only physically and mentally. And that was because of the lockdown. Did you see that insecurity expressed in the classroom? I would say yes. I'm not sure if it, insecurity is the word here, more in need of, of specific directions. Guidance. You, guidance. Because you mentioned middle school, and that has to do a lot of their independent skills and their organization skills. So those big compartments, um, we felt that we need to emphasize more. And then academics. I would have to say that this year in academics, um, I do not see that gap in academics as much as in social-emotional. Uh, working with a partner, working in a group productively, we had to take a few steps back and reteach those routines. And we are lucky and we are fortunate that the students did pick up fast. Uh, but yeah, we we did go. I mean, in my class, we did go over the in the, this process. Well, we are in the almost at the end of the second trimester of elementary, correct? Yes. So at this point, do you see them being prepared for middle school a bit better than you expected? Or do you see any other side effect of last year's aberration? That's another great question, because we recently were discussing with the students about middle school, because now I feel that it is a reality to them mm -hmm. that it's almost end of February, March, some of them already have plans for the spring break. So after that, fifth grade is over, right. then they will go across, as we say. I think now it becomes a reality for them, which is a great thing, because now you see that motivation in them and um, you see those ideas that come from them, not from us teachers, and they will get that uh, amazing input that it will be like, oh, I thought I should organize, for example, my work this way. We had a conversation uh, today with a student. He said, Miss, I thought to create an extra um, folder with all my research articles because my writing folder, uh, writing folder and my reading folder uh, did not really help me. Is that okay? So here you are with a realization, that's what I have to do in middle school. And then that part of them that 
they will still say, okay, is that okay? I'm like, yes, that's an amazing idea. And actually, we took his idea and created folders for the entire class today. So, yeah, we are almost there. We will be there. They will be there by, the, by June. By June, we, are, we will be ready for middle school. You hold the master's with a dual specialization in early childhood education and students with disabilities from Turo University in New York. What is the skill set you think you obtained that helped you in your everyday activity up to now as an educator? I will say differentiation in one word. Um, How do you define differentiation? Meeting students where they're at, using everything that we have as teachers, all the supplies, all the materials, um, seeing what is the best fit for them, and then starting there and then see how we can guide them to reach the best of their abilities. Not as students in terms of scores and grades, but as educating the whole, the you, whole student. You mentioned best fit. So best fit could be two things. Mm-hmm. Could be either we accommodate a student to meet the standard of the class or the material that we are teaching. The best fit also from the other end. So this, the, the material is being adjusted so that the student is allowed to catch up. What do you think is most appropriate to what you're doing? I think a silver lining is in order. Standards are important because they guide our teaching and that's how we prepare students for middle school and then for middle school to academy, um, college, and then real life. But at the same time, um, I've read this recently, the students are not standardized to only go by standards uh, and standardized tests. I was reading an article about standardized tests. So I think a silver lining is what we need. Yes, follow curriculum. Yes, um, make sure that we meet standards, but not only that. If we meet the standards without a student, without the student actually connecting to what we're teaching, then the stickiness, as we say in our um, literacy uh, cycle with Ms. Tsinakis, then what is the stickiness to that? How does this stick to them? How how do they carry this knowledge over to another subject, to uh, real life, to middle school, to academy, to real life? Which brings me to my next question, which has to do with your experience that ranges from gifted and talented students to students with severe disabilities. You say that in your CV. Um, How does this experience affect your everyday activity? In a sense, do you see your students differently through that lens because of your background? I feel that regardless of the background, we should be looking at our students through a lens of understanding them. Not every day is the same for us and for them. Not every topic is the same. And again, going back to the social emotional part, you might have a student who loves math and all of a sudden they don't want to do math. You need to adapt to a certain extent, because sometimes when you say that, people think that you're letting students do you know, whatever they want in a classroom um, without holding them accountable, which again, does not prepare them for later in school, in their school life um, or adult life. But it's okay from time to time to give students and people a break as long as there are a clear directive that, you know, you can come back to this. You can do something else for now, give yourself a break, and then let's come back to it 
clean slate for a start. You came to ACS Athens having worked in the New York City system. What differences or similarities can you distinguish between the international community of ACS Athens and the students of a typical American school? So in New York, I was mostly in ICT classes, um, integrated co-teaching classes where there was a special two teachers, one general education, one special education. And we had students for both populations because there are so many benefits of that if you want to go into that. Students learn best from other students. And just because a student has a learning difference does not mean that they need to be secluded in a classroom with a special education teacher doing only adaptations and modifications. Students from non-special classrooms can also benefit from the practices that you have for the specials. Exactly. Exactly. So it's back and forth, back and forth. That's what I was working on in New York. That's also a thing that I see here, an aspect that um, I see here at ACS. We don't have those sort of classrooms, but we do have a great system in place where we modify and we adapt uh, based on students' needs. And we have a wonderful OLP department and the the diagnostic center who also help us modify and adjust curriculum based on our students' needs. So, And how do students react to these kind of uh, uh, accommodations? mm, Do you feel them that they are more motivated, that they start performing according to their potential? Definitely. We go back to meeting a student where they're at. If a student has, you know, is more of a visual learner and um, you accommodate for that, then they are more open to what you're teaching them. If a student is having um, difficulties with writing and you accommodate with a speech-to-text device, then you reinforce their confidence. You build on what they know to take them a step further. Mm -hmm. I have students who at the beginning would feel a little bit a little bit alarmed or a, a little bit strange to what it means to have accommodations and modifications mm. for them or to join the OLP department and i think through explaining to them how this actually helps them and how it can help them reach their potential. Um, So it's not a stigma of some sort. It's Mm -hmm. quite the opposite. Mm -hmm. And for that, I have to say, um, last year, it helped a lot that um, we had inclusion. So the OLP uh, would come into our class instead of, so it would be a pussin instead of a pull-in. So the OLP specialist would come and work in class with First, a group of students and then, you know, more with the student just to get him, you know, gradually accustomed to what it means to get help. And it was a a success because the student did progress. And there was a point that he would say, oh, can I go to OLP for this? I need a quieter environment. And you're like, yes, definitely. That's what we want you to feel comfortable to ask that because that's that's Mm -hmm. there for you. You are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. We are talking with Pinelope Dimitrula, elementary school teacher at ACS Athens. Pinelope teaches fifth grade this year and is talking to us, among other things, about the United Nations Sustainable Development Goals and how these are discussed in the elementary. 
the AI and Conscious Citizenship Initiatives and the Future of Education. I would like to focus a little bit on your involvement with uh, UN Sustainable Development Goals, uh, the ideas and practices at the elementary school level. What kind of activities or projects can facilitate a better understanding of the SDGs by the student of a fifth grade classroom? Mm-hmm. Of a fifth grade classroom. Not only fifth graders, but third graders, third grade that I was teaching for two years, our students are for sure ready for the sustainable development goals. Last year, teaching third grade, already from second grade, the students were exposed to the UN goals. They have done several projects. So coming up to third grade, uh, when we did our informational writing and we didn't just pick an informational topic, my favorite pet or best of the best uh, video game or you know whatever the topic is for elementary students, we focused on the UN goals. And it was a success. They loved writing about how we can help in all those 17 different ways. Any anyone that is more favorite than the others from the children? Definitely. Anything that has to do, and that's part of Honor Code as well, that we can talk about that after. I feel they are, it is very close to their heart. Anything that has to do with, with animals, with uh, life underwater, with the environment, that, and we did see last year a big shift with equality education, human rights. That was a big, big, big um, takeaway from last year. You mentioned the honor code. Honor code, yes. What is the honor code? The honor code. The Honor Code is a student-led club run by students with, though, because we're in elementary, with the guiding help of two teachers, myself and Miss Bibidakis, who is teaching third grade. Honor Code is doing the right thing when no one is watching. Honor Code is following our school's three R's, being ready, being respectful, being uh, responsible, even when no one is around. Honor Code is about helping our school helping the community, helping everyone that, you know, anybody who needs help, anybody who needs help, who needs guidance, who needs, you know, just a friendly pat on the shoulder. Um, And how does that tie in with uh, the SDGs? So again, it is run by students. The first initiative that we took, and, and when I say we, in this case, I mean Honor Code representatives, Ms. Bibidakis and I, oh, I forgot to mention that the students who participate are from grades Three, four, and five. So third graders, fourth graders, fifth graders, upper elementary. Uh, Two to three representatives from each class. So we have around 25 honor code representatives. So we, in this case, it's all of us, the honor code uh, representatives and Ms. Bibidakis and I. So we brainstormed and we decided because um, it was the first initiative that we started, it was around Christmas. The students decided that they want to help other children, other children in need. And um, we did our research and we brainstormed and we came across a non-for-profit organization called The Hero and the Dragon for every child who fights a dragon. Uh, And they help children in need, children who uh, don't have the basic things in their life, like um, 
food or mm-hmm. uh, baby food in particular, diapers, essentials. So we did this um, great um, initiative where students, they created like little ornaments with uh, suggested donations and all the elementary participated, lower and upper. And whoever, because it was a donation, whoever wanted to bring in a donation, anything that they wanted. We had some suggested based on the families mm-hmm. that the Here and the Dragon was supporting. Uh, but any donation, we got around like 20 boxes of uh, food, uh, essentials. Some uh, students even donated costumes and some like butterfly wings and some like uh, pencils with glitter and some um, stuffed uh, animals, even though it wasn't on the, su- on, the, the supply su- list. on the supply list, but it was a donation because they were not using it anymore. So they were donating to a, the child in need. Mm-hmm. So, and then their second initiative is sea turtles. Hmm. Argelon. 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 We just had... Um, our second live meeting today where they met some of the turtles. Mm -hmm. And again, the students decided that they wanted to focus on environment, on life underwater. Um, There were many ideas. Again, we brainstormed and as a group, we decided that for the moment, what was winning, quote unquote here, um, it was the turtles. So, and then uh, we researched some more. We contacted Argelon. They were more than happy uh, to meet us once um, and just, you know, introduce themselves. And uh, we met the turtles. And now the, the next meeting will be where the students and Onorco decides, what is our next step? How can we help? Because they have given us so many ideas. So what do we need right. to do next? How can we raise awareness? There is a growing and potentially impactful discussion about artificial intelligence. Mm-hmm. Most people think of AI as machines that think and feel. If you're interested in technology and science, it is a very intriguing topic of discussion. Media have been portraying AI through science fiction for decades, but lately it goes beyond that. Social sciences, humanities, and the arts are now involved in exploring the what and the how humanity will be coping with a paradigm shift from machines that serve humanity's needs to machines with thinking ability and maybe consciousness in a few years. So, how about the AI initiative in ACS Athens? What has been your involvement? Okay, and I'm smiling. Artificial Intelligence and Conscious Citizenship Initiative. Two initiatives that this year they are becoming one. So my involvement, I'm new to the team. Um, I joined this year and I have to say this. Make sure I state this clearly. I'm very, very proud to be part of the team. I'm very grateful. I'm very excited, not only for the AI team, the AICC team. I'm so happy to work alongside with such wonderful people. And so far, it's been only a great, amazing experience. So the AICC team. So I'm part of the AI team of elementary, along with Miss Bibitakis again, which is... You know, kind of funny. You're a good team, <laughs> it seems. Yeah, we were also teaching third grade together. <laughs> the moment I started teaching uh, fifth grade, then I'm with Miss Bibidakis at AI and Honor Code. So it's karma, probably. No, the AI team for elementary is my, myself and Miss Bibidakis. Um, what is I feel the most, and I keep on saying exciting, but it is exciting, it is that this initiative has started from the ground 
up. It's not, you know, from top to down, from um, experts telling us about AI or CC. So it is being developed by faculty for the faculty through a series of workshops during uh, our professional development uh, time. But it was so great to notice all the great ideas and all the energy that came from that meeting. What Uh, was the best uh, takeaway from that meeting or the most memorable? The cultural shift, I think. Because including myself... I'm not an expert on AI, and we're not asking for experts here. We're asking to see, again, where our faculty is at and where we can go next. The thing that stood out is the cultural shift through, um, again, through a series of workshops and through a facilitation protocol, we wanted to see where, where we're at. And, you know, at the beginning, people, you know... Uh, they weren't sure. Yes. What to expect from an AI meeting? Because it, it was also a free choice. You could choose between AI and CC. We had members, faculty, that, you know, we weren't sure how this will go. And then by the end, and as we debriefed and we talked in our in small group and then in whole group, you could see smiles. I mean, we were wearing masks, of course, mm-hmm. but you can see the you can see the smiling. eyes smiling and um, teachers being more open to it now and more willing to learn more. And with AI, because it's, you know, so many things all together, so many ideas that with guidance you can get to even the next level. Opportunities. Opportunities to learn. And you mentioned CC, conscious citizenship. Yes. What is this? Conscious citizenship. Well, that's the thing with AI and CC. You cannot do one without the other. As we are heading towards a world and a future with artificial intelligence, where do we stand if we do not educate ourselves and our students Mm -hmm. to be conscious citizens and make that right choice? Mm -hmm. The future of education is the hottest new topic in the academic community, especially after the somewhat abrupt shift to online learning. Uh, due to COVID, do you foresee a future of students learning online with so many new tools and mentalities, or is it premature to judge the future of education based on an abnormality or aberration, such as a pandemic? Or is it a good opportunity to consider options that may improve at the end the learning experience of students and adults? We were already using so many online tools, so many platforms and some AI tools. During the pandemic, we mastered some, we learned some new. Our students learned, as students involved, I for sure have learned so many new things during the pandemic that now I'm implementing Mm -hmm. in my everyday teaching. If I see teaching online only, maybe, but I wouldn't want to. And I don't think many students would want either. Yeah, I can't imagine. I have a three-year-old son. I can't imagine him going, you know, to school next year online. Well, they're being born with a tablet on their hand. Yes, true. He doesn't have a tablet yet. Ah, (laughs) But, (laughs) I mean, in our household, because, you know, he has a grandmother, so... Here you go. Uh, but oh, she doesn't have a tablet? I, we don't in our house. No, but when talk about the grandmother. Oh, the grandmother. She does. Of course she does. She has a tablet. Okay. 
So, and the grandfather has a laptop. So okay. here you are. But yeah, I see a future where there is a balance. There are so many benefits. Again, back to social emotional learning. There are so many benefits to students coming to school, interacting with other um, students, learning those life skills that cannot be taught through online platforms yet. I'm not sure where AI will take us. The human interaction, I would not want to take away from my students or my future students or my son or anyone, right? Mm -hmm. It's great being here, like doing the interview in person instead of... That's right. Although we could have done it through Skype or, yeah, or any other... definitely. But it's a different thing to be face-to-face. -face. We're humans. We're programmed yeah. to be with other humans. Right. If we have to be online for some part of it, or if it's beneficial to use online tools and online platforms, sure. But only online, I'm not sure. Mm -hmm. Ms. Dimitrula, thank you so much for being with us. Thank you for having me. This was wonderful. <laughs> you are listening to The Owlcast, the official podcast of ACS Athens. Make sure you subscribe to The Owlcast on Google Podcasts, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. This has been a production of the ACS Athens Media Studio. Mm -hmm.